and welcome, heroes, to the Crit Academy. I am your host, Justin. And I am your co-host, Ian. And I'm AJ. G'day. <laughs> this podcast was created to provide you, our heroes, with new and reusable material for both players and DMs. We hope to inspire you with creative content that you can bring with you on your next adventure. Our show may not be suitable for young children, but neither is our D&D games. This episode is brought to you by our very generous Patreon donors. If it wasn't for you guys, we would have quit already. So thank you. Every month we're growing in our Patreon size, so thank you guys that are willing to shell money out of your pocket to listen to us talk a lot of bullshit. What is our current number right anyway? 30. 30. We have 30 paying patrons. Wow. So thank you guys very much. 30 paying customers. That's amazing. It was zero (laughs) last time you were on, I think. If you don't know what Patreon is, Patreon is a tool that allows supporters and fans of a show, a artist, a creator, it allows them to support them and we can offer different level tiered rewards as kind of a compensation. So... And by tool, you mean website. Yes. It's basically a website (laughs) um, that you can go to and as for as little as $1, you can support our show and you get some really cool bonus stuff. Like when I actually get to it, I update the monster variants and put stat blocks for them. I think at our highest tier, you actually get to play in games with us monthly. We just started live streaming that. So you can check those out at twitch.tv slash criticademy. Watch our first live stream of our Patreon game and find out whether I actually suck at being a DM or you're taking advice from a guy that doesn't know what he's doing. Like a vacuum. We have a really great show for you today. Obviously, we have a very special guest uh, joining us today. We have RJ from Game Master wow. Stash, very as well as RJ Productions, right? Yeah, well, I'm literally, whilst I was waiting for this, I was uh, setting up the Drive Through RPG account so I can start publishing stuff on there. So, yeah, that's we're, awesome. We're yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> on our show today, we have a really interesting question from listener Thay Cranor, and we'll be discussing 3D printing your own minis and stuff. So I'm really stoked about that. RJ is our resident expert there, but as well as we have our Unearth Tips and Tricks. But before we get started, we like to start off on a high note by giving away free stuff each and every week. Each episode, we will draw one lucky subscriber's name and they will win the five-star rated adventure, Banquet of the Damned, compliments of Goblin Stone. Goblin Stone is a community project for D&D fans based out of the UK. They aim to be a place where you can team up with professionals to turn your ideas into high-quality products and give every fan a chance to get published. Be sure to head over to www.goblinstone.com or you can check out our fellowship link on our website, www.critacademy.com. RJ, who is our winner this week? Oh, it looks very Australian in its, uh, in its nature. Lucifer, the down under version of Lucifer, I'm guessing. When it comes crashing down and it hurts inside. Congratulations, Rucifer. If you enjoy your adventure, please head on over to Goblinstone and let them know what you think, whether you like it or you don't. Um, that's how they improve their product moving forward. So let them know you like it and let them know you got it from Crit Academy. Thank you for joining us today here at Crit Academy Studios where everything's made up and your rolls don't matter. Yep, that's right. Your rolls are like a 3D printer without any filament plastic. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what that was called, so I just put plastic, but I'm glad you know what it's called. Hey, now, keep in mind, some 3D printers these days print in metal or cement. Yeah, I I, did. I got the upgrade for that, which we can talk about later, but uh, it, yeah. Did you know they it's, have uh, 3D printers that build houses? Yeah, that's why I said cement. That blows my mind. Like I said, we got a lot of good stuff going on to our show today, but before we get to all the good stuff, we like to talk a little bit of what's going on in our realm. So, RJ, what's going on in your realm? Yeah, I had some some jerk called Justin say, hey, man, you know what would be really good is if you do all the hard work for me and make a map set so that I can make maps for my adventure. <laughs> 
<laughs> and give you a bit of cash for that eventually. So I thought, you know what? That's a great idea. I am going to do all the hard work and uh, make a bit of cash at some point. So I've been working on my RJ map packs, which is going to give me a little bit of a kickstart into the RJ production stuff, which I'm trying to set off. I've been editing my other book, which eventually will come out, the White Dragon Guide of Contracts and stuff. So that'll have a whole bunch of quests. So my, my world has been crazy busy with using my spare time to get my D&D operation up and running. Excellent. That sounds awesome. Working hard. <laughs> well, hardly working, but whatever. That's your job. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Justin? What's going on in your realm? You know what, RJ? I'm glad you asked. Just previously to this episode's airing and our Patreon pals, there's a big ice storm right outside, and I didn't have yep. power up until about a half hour before our show. So I didn't think we were going to do it, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> it's weird. I was at, sitting at my desk, and I've got you know a window right behind my computer, and I literally see a power pole burst into flames. Poof! Oh, got wow. on fire. And I see like it shoot like energy blast or shockwave or whatever the hell that was sparks fucking yeah that like, that doesn't sound nearly as epic but <laughs> the shit went That's everywhere I, I had that happen to me when i lived in wollongong like one down the street and i thought it was like a bomb going off and i like i watched it happen i'm like whoa that's crazy it, it's it's a scary time when you're watching a power box explode yeah well it's really weird because everything in the house shut off except for my computer because i have a ups uninterruptible power supply so everything goes poof, and i'm like fuck there goes my internet i'm in the middle of a dungeon damn it oh, no. <laughs> so those people are like why that asshole leave and not come back <laughs> so the power is out and here i'm pissed off because i can't finish my dungeon i'm such an idiot the other thing is um and i talked briefly about our and our patreon pals is our we've been writing this adventure the sea adventure to post on the dms guild and it's really coming along really really well actually i've got garrett actually is writing the npcs for us which yeah, is I heard awesome you're, you're making everyone do all the hard work for you you say <laughs> that but that's that's the way it actually works if you talk yeah. to all the professionals and especially after if you listen to our episode where we had jeff stevens on a yeah, lot of them do jeff that stevens, i heard that one and i'm just like man this guy's doing no work he's just <laughs> getting other people to do it all for you want to shout out there's a shout out buddy How yeah you doing? so <laughs> i have like i said i got garrett is doing the npcs you're doing the maps and uh yeah. actually uh our patron daniel is actually editing it for me and good thing too because my english is terrible and he's fixing it all <laughs> Also, it's coming together nice. I'm super excited. I'm working on like the third or fourth encounter right now, which is all about they're piloting a boat through a severe maelstrom. So I'm coming oh, wow. up with all these different things of, okay, what the hell are they going to do instead of fight monsters on this thing? So, you know, there's checks to be made to see if you get, if you fall off or, and if you got to grab a rope as you're going overboard to s prevent you from drowning, there's rules now put in place in case you do drown, how to save somebody, you know, how to navigate through the storm. And if you roll low, okay, you messed up and you're going the wrong damn way which is a big deal when the whole adventure is on a time crunch so i'm really just having a blast writing it and having somebody else rewrite it better <laughs> <laughs> There's a great podcast I listened to by these two guys called Crit Academy, and they did a whole episode about Maelstrom as like an event and action thing. So uh, Where's that at? should hunt that down. Yeah, <laughs> I'll do that. Sorry. That sounds awesome. I'll no, that's you. awesome. No, you're fine. <laughs> Ian, what's going on in your realm? Uh, going on in my realm. As you said, we just uh, had a vicious ice storm sweep through the area, and then the area around us actually got hit even harder. In fact, I even said the Saginaw River, which flows into the uh, Saginaw Bay, the wind is so strong that the water from the Great Lakes which the Saginaw River flows into is flowing into the Saginaw River. So the Saginaw River is literally flowing backwards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty freaky wow. out there. But that said, though, as usual, I spend a lot of time playing Overwatch, and right now they had their 
their uh, retribution event going on right now, and that's pretty fun. A little uh, PVE event they have. For uh, Overwatch? Yeah. You know, I put that in my Xbox and was going to play it and decided I want to play something more fun, so I did. <laughs> but I was this oh. close to playing. <laughs> but the other thing I have going on, this is a kind of a less fun note. It seemed like every time I have like a prolonged computer use, aka every time I work, my, <laughs> well, I do it on a computer, my uh, right hand starts to hurt. And uh, that's actually what I'm worried about. I even bought a hand brace as a preventive measure just in case, but unfortunately when I started having issues with that, I call ahead made up with my doctor, but she was booked so far back, I had to wait six weeks. Oh, jeez. Well, if you when you're masturbating, if you try the other hand for a while, that might help. Yeah. Just so you That's know. true. Um, Different angle. You're not the first. <laughs> you, are, you are not the first to make that joke. You won't be the last, Overhand. probably. Overhand. Uh, <laughs> um, Sam actually asks about, in regards to the adventures, is do you have conditions for inspiration or advantages for checks within your encounters? What I actually do have is kind of like a stepping stone. So, for instance, one of those things might be, say, navigation. If somebody fails a navigation check and they, they end up getting the boat lost, it then affects the next repair check. Because they're in the storm longer, the sails are taking more damages, the ropes are being damaged, so it imposes like disadvantage on that next check. I don't know if I have any going the other way for advantage, but I definitely will include that, so thank you. That'll do it for In the Realm. Ian, if they'd like to visit other realms, how can they do that? <laughs> they can explore other realms by going to Audible, where they can get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial if they visit audibletrial.com slash critacademy. Head on over and get your free stuff. So moving on to our next segment, we have our Let's Talk About Blank segment. Which is awesome this week. This is a great question. It's from a listener called Faye Cranor. I don't know if that's a real name, but they've got the rhyme thing sure going on, so if cool. it is, they sound like some kind of like Batman villain or something like that. It's like, I'm Faye Cranor. Like yeah. Yeah, so Thay Cravenor says, In every campaign that he runs, his players fall asleep halfway through the mission, or they're just plain disrespectful to the campaign he's worked so hard to flesh out. Legit, the players will all get high or drunk midway through the campaign, and they will make it hard for the few players that cared about playing the campaign and make it unable for them to play. All of the players who actually cared about the campaign have left since they didn't enjoy having to fight against huge swarms of enemies in combat as their teammates slept. <laughs> they aren't into the story elements, you know? Like, from what I've heard from my friends, the players don't provide backstories for the characters even when the DM asks for them weeks on end. Every time I see him talk about his campaign, he's got this look in his eyes of disappointment. All he wanted was for his players to respect his campaign, but instead, he's been consistently unappreciated for the work that he puts into his weekly campaign. So, what would you do if the players disrespected your campaign in that way? Should he disband the campaign or at very least begin putting his foot down as a GM? As they put the foot down first, boot to the head, <laughs> then uh, get a new group. Sam and Dan actually ask a really good question, and I, I kind of had this question too, is he keeps saying campaign. Is he talking about session or campaign? Because if they only fall asleep once during an entire campaign, bravo. True. <laughs> if it's every session, that's definitely a problem. RJ, would you like to give your response first since you are our humble guest? Oh, wow. thank you, Justin. Oh, you're welcome. That's very good manners. Your mama raised you right, man. Yeah, so uh, I can if you want. I had a very similar situation, uh, not with a whole bunch of players, but with just one player in particular who used to like to get high and stuff. And when he'd get high, it'd make him a bit paranoid. And that ended up escalating into, into a bit of a confrontation one day. So look, in, in my opinion, I honestly, I think your friend needs to be kind of honest, you know, 
Like just say, look, uh, I'm not enjoying running this stuff. You know, I'm putting all this effort in and I, I just feel like it's not going the way I'd like it to go. So uh, maybe I'm going to stop GMing for a while. I think if you phrase it from the perspective of you as the DM aren't having fun, that can open up a dialogue, which is a bit less sort of judgmental from saying like, no, you guys get high and that gives me the shits. So worst case scenario, I mean, it's so easy to find a new group these days. You can just ghost those guys and uh, or, or maybe even just with your friends who actually do care, start a little group on the side and then leave the other group and do it that way. You guys suck. No group. Honestly, I think this is something that should have been discussed at session zero because mm-hmm. if the DM yeah. agreed that this was okay, he made an agreement that this stuff was okay. So I don't think in that point, I would hate to see him get mad at the players for allowing that. I do think he has a right, just like RJ said, is to say, hey, I'm not having fun, but I would be very careful not to try to blame them because you've essentially consented to allow them to do this. What did it say? He allowed them to do it. Well, they didn't set a rule against getting high and drinking at the uh, table. Like, there's no drinking in my, my game. T- I say that, but I drank live on the show one day. <laughs> you did. <laughs> but uh, normally I don't allow drinking for those types of reasons because it can create tension and uh, knock people out and, and make the game not fun for people. So personally, that stuff's banned from my games for those reasons. So you could ask them if they'd be willing not to do that. If that's the case, then maybe the game will take a, a turn for the better. That being said, if you're the DM not having fun, even trying to make adjustments and you still can't have a good time, then it's probably not the group for you. Because it sounds like yeah. this DM wants to focus on the story and the players don't. That's a bad mix-up of play styles, which will, no matter what you do, will end up leading into a non-fun situation. So at that point, you just say, hey, I'm not having a good time. And like RJ said, just go find somebody else. As a DM, it's a lot easier to find a group because <laughs> yeah. you can make one. <laughs> these days, there's so much stuff like Roll20 or like even just because, you know, Geek Chic is in and doing nerdy role-playing <laughs> Dan stuff. Dan says, stop like, yanking each other off. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone has people like this, but to have an entire group is a bit of a challenge and easy solution is to ask them to not do those things or just find another group man. and I know that's probably not a great answer but that's really the only options there are yeah I would agree I think the real question here uh, like just in my mind is like it's about that conflict you know that underlying conflict that if I just say okay guys I'm leaving or I'm kicking you guys out or or whatever it is I'm not running games anymore that there's going to be that conflict and I think that the best way to avoid that is through truth and just being honest and and trying to minimize you know (sighs) blame and just focus on I'm not having fun and they ask the reason for that then you know you decide how honest you want to be with them but if you if you focus on that then the conflict will pretty much you're gonna be in dicks and not having fun I'm leaving I'm gonna make a new group I'm just gonna have blackjack and hookers it, it, it almost sounds <laughs> no like blackjack and no hookers <laughs> it almost sounds like being honest in open conversation and communication makes a difference imagine that I know that's right? a strange alien thing here it's like when I tell people I will never be mad at somebody for being honest I might be mad at them if they're a dick about it <laughs> <laughs> that'll do it for our let's talk about blank segment we hope you answered your question um we hope that you get some liquid courage out of this borrow some of their booze if you need to um because it, it's going to be hard this is not gonna do some cocaine go in it really like you know, <laughs> Bobby going, get out of my house i'm really excited about our main topic because as a guy who in when i ran fourth edition i loved building everything building territories getting custom minis doing all these different things and as technology has evolved unfortunately i've moved more to theater of the mind so i don't use this as much but i was really excited for this because because who doesn't like making their own shit? And with yeah. technology evolving into 3D printing, it is getting cheaper to do it yourself. For six cents, you can have a miniature. That's amazing. Six cents. I feel like that wouldn't actually not me save me money because it was so cheap. It would, I would justify it and just make so many things that it actually <laughs> wouldn't save me money because then I wouldn't not buy it if it was like $3 a piece. But that's just me. <laughs> 
RJ, before we really get started in the 3D printing, we've had you on the show before, so thank you for joining us. For those that haven't heard that episode or are just joining us for the first time, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and where you sure, come from, thing, who your daddy is, who your mommy is? <laughs> yes. Oh, sorry? Yeah, yeah. that's okay. Who, who is my daddy? Hmm. <laughs> Do you have his pet? School mascot? Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> in all, in all seriousness, thank you. Expiry date. <laughs> Firstly, thanks for having me because like, I always oh, no have problem. a lot of fun when I'm listening to you guys and, and getting to join in that conversation is always lots of fun. So um, well, thank you for listening you know. and being a fan. We're glad to have you. Yeah, no, thank you. Um, yeah, so I volunteer over at the Game Master Stash on the Facebook page. So if you want good content like what you guys provide here on a, on a daily basis, we have, I think, four times a day we post. I'm RJ over there and uh, you can see my stuff. I just finished up a whole dungeon section for the Green Cathedral. Go check that out. And usually I'm, uh, I'm into traps. There's lots of old tracks, which everyone loves. Uh, and yes, yeah, so that's that. And then I'm also, uh, for a long time now, I've been trying to get my RJ Productions business up and running with limited success because, you know, it's on a side thing. So right. and unlike Justin, who farms out all his work to everybody, <laughs> I do all the work myself because I'm an idiot. One of our listeners is asking what program you use for maps. Well, why don't you tell them about it? Oh, yeah. Okay. So um, I, I actually have a tutorial on YouTube. If you just search like uh, RJ, how to make a map tutorial, it'll come up on YouTube. And just for full clarification, for our people who are listening and not watching, yeah. RJ is uh, spelled A R J A D E. Literally, I just use Photoshop, and you can also do it with anything that has like any kind of layer program. And usually, it's just things like drop shadow and textures. I mean, it's it's not that difficult. But yeah, I will send the link to Justin. He can put it in the show notes or, or whatever, and you guys can can check that out. It's just time consuming, and I think if you're new to Photoshop, like I mm-hmm. used to be, there's like an entry level. But if you just follow the tutorials, in no time at all, you'll you'll know what you're doing. Photoshop is definitely a good program. But for anybody who doesn't want to spend, well, you know, money, you can actually look at a program called GIMP, which is basically Photoshop only free. And there is definitely a learning curve to it. It assumes you know how to use something like Photoshop, but there are tutorials out there. And I do remember with a GIMP when I used it, there actually was a grid generator, which was a lightsaber. If you have a grid, then uh, again, definitely just got to make sure the grid actually stays on your map when you save it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so one of the things I like to do is I like to inquire a little bit about your D&D experience. So could you tell us about your most memorable D&D moment? Yeah, sure. I have so many. I've been doing this for ages. Just one, please. 2002. Thanks. Yeah, <laughs> but I'll just tell you one. Your most memorable. Um, so I was GMing sort of like this. They were in an underground city and I'd realized that I hadn't given them combat for ages. So I literally just like randomly rolled and got a troll. So I'm like, okay, well, at some point I'll have to cross a bridge. There'll be a troll under it. <laughs> of but, course. You know, no, no biggie. Not a problem. And my wife, this was like maybe her third session ever role-playing. Instead of just running in and, and attacking the troll, she convinced the party not to attack the troll and to talk to it. Wait, wait. <laughs> but, so you went out of your way to set up a combat because you haven't had combat and they're going to talk to it. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> just went, yeah. That troll ended up becoming, uh, his name was Zorak, and I did like a oh, Zorak, you know, all the rest of it. <laughs> offered him some food. And then so then I had to come up with all this backstory about this stupid troll that I've made <laughs> And that ended up being like this huge plot point. And now the troll is sort of like a honorary party member and he shows up to help them out every now and then. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, that's probably the most memorable. And he, and he sticks with me everywhere. I, <laughs> I love stuff like that. Hey, if there are any artists out there that are listening and want to make, I'm sure. Zorak the Troll. Zorak yeah, the yeah. Troll. I'm sure. Uh, what kind of weapon does he use? Just his hands because he's the a best brutal kind of monster. Weapon. He's a swamp troll. That's he's awesome. got purple skin. 
green hair, lots of green sort of like liver spots on him, <laughs> big nose. And I actually made a, so uh, one of my friends was taught how to make puppets. She's like third generation from Jim Henson. Like she oh, was taught by someone. That's awesome. And she taught me. And the puppet I made was like at the time was when that had just happened. So I made Zorak the Troll. So I've got like a Muppet of him as well. That's hilarious. <laughs> you should get a picture of that and share it with us. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you have any moments where you feel you failed as a DM or a player? And if so, did you find it to be a big learning experience? Yeah, thanks, Ian. That's a really good question. I think that's an important question for all DMs and players is that you need to learn from what's going on. I've been doing this, like I said, since 2002. So I have many times that I have failed. <laughs> uh, and it's always been a learning experience. Can you yeah, give us wow. a specific There's, example? So in my world, I have sort of, I dabbled with a bit of black powder stuff. Damn, I wanted it to powder. be really powerful. So um, I boosted the stats on it. And I also gave my players muskets and things like that, which at that time- That's I awesome. You know, I just said, just treat it like a crossbow, but it does, you know, D20 damage. You know, oh, jeez. <laughs> Needless to say, that didn't go well. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had to work out what, what I was going to do because it ended up uh, later, the players started fighting with each other and like, oh yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> have at thee. Have, have a musket blast <laughs> while you sleep. Now uh, one musket explodes. Oh God. Yeah. Well, yeah, so that's what I did. I eventually was like, okay, this is way too powerful. So I've sort of limited it to the area in my game setting, which, uh, you know, eventually you'll be able to check out at rj.net and see all the stuff. But I've limited it to this one area where sort of they worked out where it is. And I've had to add all this extra stuff like you can't transport it magically or it might explode if you roll critical misses. So it was a big mistake. I gave him way too much power and uh, I had to rein it in. Luckily, I've found some ways to do that. But I think that's important. Like there's lots of reasons you're going to fail. Like I said, I've had conflicts in the past with, with other players, stuff like that. Everything about being a DM, you know, has potential to be a learning opportunity. So always reflect on your stuff. Yeah, I agree 100%. Thank you for sharing that with us. I think you're right. Everyone is going to fail. I do it every time I play, but it's important to do your best to learn from those experiences. Justin Hadlin, you have failed this city. <laughs> I love Arrow. So now on to the, the meat and potatoes of the episode, the part that everyone listens to while they wait for it to get to the Unearthed Tips and Tricks. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, man. Hurry up. RJ, first of all, for those that don't know, do you want to tell everyone what 3D printing is? Yeah, sure. Okay, so 3D printing is like printing, except in three dimensions instead of wow, two Wow, thank you for clearing that up for me, man. Oh, there we go. Yeah, no, but like a, a lot of people are like, what? I don't understand how, how it works, et cetera, et cetera. But basically, if you just think it's printing like three-dimensional layers, so it prints one layer at a time. It's a little nozzle, and you can put different things in it depending upon the nozzle that you have. I have just upgraded to be able to do the metal stuff, but most of it is like a plastic that's based with cornstarch. So it is a, a biodegradable sort of plastic and others use like a vinyl or whatever. But the long story short is there's a nozzle that moves around just like a normal printer and it just prints two-dimensional shapes one layer at a time until you end up with a three-dimensional object. So it's just doing layer after layer after layer after layer after layer. It takes a while. Yeah, yeah. I've definitely been interested in this, but when I had the money to do that, I had a choice between an Oculus and a 3D printer. And since I was moving to fifth edition, I found that I had, le uh, I was going to theater of the mind, so I had the need for the 3D printer last, so I got an Oculus. Oculus makes things 3D, right? You, you know what else is 3D? <laughs> Actual plastic. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. So how did you get into 3D printing? Oh, man. So I, I learned about it eight, like years and years ago <laughs> when it first started coming out and they were like, you know, $20,000 for a simple machine. And I was like, I'm never going to be able to afford this. But I remember hearing about how like once you buy a machine, you can then print the parts to make more machines. Like to repair your machines. <laughs> I was like, this is just a moneymaker, you know? <laughs> Ha, 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 ha. 
I'd been saving up for it for ages because like when I first heard about it, it's like 20,000, I'm like, whatever. It's like every birthday, everyone give me money for, for that or Christmas or whatever. Anyway, and I'd sort of forgotten about it. Everyone just been like, it was an easy way for them to give me a present or whatever. And right, so right. I hadn't really put any money into it. I'd just been saving up. And then I went to this party and this guy told me that he got one from Aldi, which I don't know if you guys have that over there. It's just like a very cheap shop, basically. Every now and then they do a sale for one, which is like $300 or something. Okay. And I was like, oh, that's that's crazy cheap. And um, so I started talking to him and he was using it to make all his all his stuff and it just made me want to go and get one that's very awesome nice. very very cool what piece of equipment do you have and if you don't mind sharing at what price range yeah it? yeah sure so um originally uh i had saved up over like a whole bunch of years i'd saved up about fifteen hundred dollars uh mm-hmm. that's australian dollars so um you know that's uh right at the low end i'd done all my homework and originally i'd heard about uh one called the da vinci which had like a three-in-one and i had my three-in-one like does 3d printing scanning and laser cutting and I had my heart set on this I'm like oh, awesome laser I'll, cutting. I'll, I'll get cool. this yeah yeah and uh, I went in and I spoke to the guy and he said look uh, you know you, the, the cheaper it is often that means the filament's going to be more expensive and um, the three-in-one because it's got three things the technology isn't very good it's very outdated and also that particular company Da Vinci they do some stuff to make you so you can only use their their the printers and, they, and he talked me into getting um, a FlashForge finder Originally, he said, you know, get the FlashForge Finder. It's just the printer, but it's a lot better quality, etc., etc. So I put my money down, and then um, he went out the back to go and get it. And he said, we don't actually have one of those here today. Oh, no. <laughs> He's like, but what I can do is because you know you're here today, you're taking it with you. If you're giving an extra like 200 bucks, if you can manage that, I can get you a FlashForge Inventor 2, which is like the current like state of the art when I bought it. It's it's the one that's just come out in that like the, that state of the art for that price range. Right, right. You know, it's it's much, much better. And you know, it, I can do it for you if you just chuck an extra couple hundred. Otherwise you'll have to wait like six weeks. And so I'm like, you know what? I I, I will all go- call around. I <laughs> called around, asked my wife if I could steal 200 from our savings. And uh, <laughs> she said, yes, go for it. And I did that. And I've also upgraded it with uh, an all metal hot end, which means that I can print abrasive materials. So carbon fiber, uh, bronze, Ooh, wow. um, copper, wood, all this stuff. Wood? Um, wood? Yeah, yeah. So I it's, it's what it you is. You can liquefy um, wood. Doesn't it usually just light on fire yeah <laughs> so what they what they do all of those things i recently printed a, a really cool wedding ring out of the bronze stuff what it is is it's um it's the same plastic but then they have a percentage of particles from mm-hmm. from whatever the thing is so sure. for instance i can print 80 percent uh with metal so the bronze rings had 80 percent bronze mm-hmm. in mixed in with the plastic and so okay so it, the it, uh, plastic surface is kind of like a skeletal structure if you will that holds all the bronze together it's sort of like cement and that like you know there's cements there but then you have like all the little rocks and things inside mm-hmm. it to, to give it that strength. The only problem is a lot of people, they think it's just printing the metal and they think, oh, I can just treat it like metal. But because there's no. that plastic there, you have to be careful. It's still got like, uh, you know, plastic basically. It's acrylic. So it can uh, get worn away by solvents and things like that. It's just acting as a glue. But you can polish it and you can make it look real pretty and, and all sorts of stuff. So you can get one which is a resin. And what that does is that mixes two chemicals together in the nozzle and then and then spits it out. And they give you like really crisp detail, amazing detail stuff. And I wish that they're the ones that are like you know, uh, seven, eight thousand dollars worth of stuff. Right. The version I have uses. Uh, so there's different versions you can get. Like ABS, which is like just uh, like kind of plastic that pipes are made out of. Like uh, there's a PVC one. I've got one that's a PLA, so it's mainly used for printing PLA. It's an acrylic which has has cornstarch into it. 
So eventually it ended up costing me, what, $1,700 to get mine. And then you have to buy filament and things like that. So filament is usually like around the 30 Australian dollar mark. So that's probably like 25 for you guys. But then depending upon what you print just depends on, on how much it is. So right. So did you actually time. tell us the name of the one you have? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Flash Forge Inventor 2. Go okay. out and buy one today. <laughs> <laughs> and get it at a markdown price from what he paid for it because I doubt it's, it's expensive now. Obviously, we have to bring this around to why it's important to D&D and why you should get one if you play tabletop anything, actually, yes. not just D&D, right? What kind of things have you made? What is the what is the collection of RJ look like with his fancy new <laughs> 3D printer? And why should our tabletop gamers and D&D lovers love this thing? Yes. So um, the first thing, the most impressive thing I made is these wedding rings for our friends. They were um, they were obsessed with uh, Skyrim and Elder Scrolls. And mm-hmm. uh, the girl had actually been, um, they're from Gorilla Wolf Gaming. Shout out to Gorilla Wolf Gaming if you want to see some gameplay on Twitch and on thing, go check them I out. I will send you uh, a bill she- for the uh, the shout out as well. Just uh, yeah, yeah, that's okay. I'll pay the bill. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> Free plug. But um, they they uh, like she used to work on like an Elder Scrolls um, like on on the official wiki and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. so they knew all about it. So um, they really wanted the Rings of Mara. Right, as right. like uh, you know, the amulet thing, and um, they they found someone on Etsy, but she has tiny little hands and couldn't get them that small. And I said, we can three D print that. So I went and I got the upgrade. Uh, it was a good excuse to get the upgrade. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, I got the, uh, the 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 bronze filament, and mm-hmm. uh, I printed the rings with bronze and um, polished them up for them, and that was that was beautiful. But the the answer to your question is, uh, I have tons of minis. So many minis. Uh, there's a lot of free stuff out there on Thingiverse if you just search for it. I have a lot of just, you know, what you would expect for miniatures. Um, there's a website called Hero Forge, which you make the, the thing and they'll actually print it for you if you don't have a 3D printer. But if you, if you do, you can just buy the file, download it and print it yourself. Um, so you customize the characters and everything like that. Um, on Thingiverse, there's a whole bunch of people who have made up all, the, all these uh, miniatures already. So there's this really cute owlbear. It's like an owlbear baby. So it's like all <laughs> cute. It's like, ah, but I've made it big. So it's like my actual owlbear that I use uh, in-game. It's so cute. Um, I'm just trying to think of some other things. I did a whole bunch of uh, like Naga. Like if you know World of Warcraft, they mm-hmm. have like the sort of it's sort of like what we would call like Yonti type, yep, yep. you know, yeah. things. Um, but I use them as Naga and uh, I actually made them like... Uh, kind of like water yeah. salamanders. Yeah, 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 exactly. And um, uh, yeah, then there's also other cool stuff. So I, I actually keep my dice in what's called an iris box. So you 3D print it in place and um, it's a little circle thing and you twist and uh, it closes up like an iris, like on um, Stargate. And uh, you cool. untwist it and it opens it up. It's awesome. That's so, awesome. And you made that? Yeah, and also I fixed stuff around the house. Sorry, what was that? You made that? That's awesome. Well, I didn't design that. I found it, again, Thingiverse, you know, okay. they're all free to free to download. You can tip the designers and stuff if, you, if you're interested and you like the product, and I often do that. Um, but yeah. You say you fixed stuff around so your house? Stuff. Yeah, we had a, um, uh, like a window that uh, the, the wheel on the window, it wasn't sliding properly. It had broken, and um, so I just printed a new wheel and... Popped it in. What do you do? Like freaking transform, toss it in there and like laser shit that up and then printed you one? I mean, no, no, no. You have to, you have to design it yourself. I mean, you can get scanners and stuff, but they're really low resolution. They look, they look a bit uh, rough. So, um, but it's not hard to design something simple like a wheel or, or whatever. You just take a photo. You use, I use Blender, which is a free um, program. Yep. And that's a good program, actually. Blender. Blender, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. an amazing. <laughs> well, it sounds like you I also do- made a key for um when one of the I, I play at Gamezilla. I made a whole bunch of terrain and stuff for them, dice boxes and things for them. 
and um, they 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 broke. They had like a little aluminium key that snapped for like putting paper towels away and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So I just took a photo of the key uh, and and made a copy, printed out, gave it to them, and now they can get into their paper towels again. <laughs> so, uh, so how long does it take to make like a, a traditional size mini, like a one inch base mini? Okay, so yeah, if you're if you're looking at like a, a uh, like you know standard size sort of uh, miniature. Uh, depending upon the quality that you want, uh, like basically the higher the quality, the smaller the Z height, the layering right. height, and um, it, and that takes longer time. Also, yeah. if you're More making passes. it completely solid, or like uh, having it has like a hexagon pattern on the inside, like honeycomb mm-hmm. type thing, so it it's strong but not wasting all your plastic. Um, I can usually print like a low quality one in as little as half an hour. Um, or a high quality one, if I want like one of the ones to, to be like my main character, um, that might take anywhere up to like three hours. Wow. Um, so yeah, so, some of the big terrain pieces, like if you were printing, say like um, something the size of say like a deck of cards, that that would only take maybe two or three hours. Um, but if you were printing like something that's maybe like three or four times that size, it might take anywhere up to eight or nine hours, depending on how high detail. So you, you, you keep talking about how you, you print individual things. Could you design something that you print as one larger piece but, like, has, like, snap-offs or something? You can snap them so it's all it's multiple pieces? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So um, there's a couple of things. So, like, the Iris box is printed in place. It's, like, four or five parts that are all printed in mm-hmm. place. Um, so you don't have to put it together. You just twist and, like, you have to cut things and break it. I made a fidget spinner when I first got it as well. Um, and like, once you get that gear working, it can, you know, you grind the gear out like, and, and it'll, it'll spin like normal. Um, uh, the, I make, uh, dice boxes a lot. Um, and, um, the, like it, it has like a, a open and closing thing. Actually, I have a piece here. Well, actually I have, whoops, I have this one here. There we go. Look at that. That's just candy. So this is my wife's dice box, right? Nice. That's um, awesome. Like, yeah, just like open and close. For those of you who aren't watching the video, it's uh, a little <laughs> box that I close. You can hear uh, And that's actually, I've branded that. I've put my uh, my Mystic Times logo. Nice. That's that, awesome. Uh, you know. All right. And <laughs> chat. Don't tell the original owner. <laughs> and uh, chat, one of our listeners, uh, Sam, he asks, if a project fails or doesn't turn out very well, can the uh, plastic, the use the uh, filament, can it be recycled in any way, shape, or form? Yeah, okay. So this is a complex issue. So um, first off, it can be recycled in the sense that you can put it in the recycle bin and someone else can recycle it. Um, (laughs) If China takes your recycling, they can do that. Um, Can I take the plastic and use it again? So um, there's a couple things. Uh, Technically, yes, you can um, do that. Most people don't have um, the, I guess, the ability to do that because all you would have to do is melt it down and then print it in into a little tube, right? Um, But uh, you know, you don't have the capability to, to, to melt it back down. So it comes like f- sort of like fishing reel or um, we call them whippersnippers. I don't know what you get, like lo- line trimmer maybe. I don't know what it translates to in American. Uh, <laughs> but like it's sort of like the filament from that, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like a little tube of plastic uh, on, a, on a reel. Um, so to, to make it into the correct shape to go into the machine, um, it... I'm sure there's a machine that you can buy for that. Um, but the truth is you don't want to recycle it because what happens is when it melts, uh, the plastic goes a bit more brittle. Mm. And so, um, and that's what happens with the durability damage. Got it. 
Yeah, durability damage. So you <laughs> you start with mithril, you come out with like copper. Um, <laughs> do it again, right? So it's <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't want to do that. Weed whacker, whacker line. weed whacker line. There you go. Thanks, Edward. <laughs> That's, that's what it looks like, literally. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's a really good one. So, um, I've actually, and I don't know if you've done this, uh, when one does fail, do you get use out of it at all, or do you just chuck it in a trash oh. can? Or yes, recycle it. Absolutely, of course I do. Um, Give us some examples. It's really good, especially when you're printing terrain, like uh, because you know often you're trying to print something and then it ruins, and then use it as ruin. You know, like you just make it ruined terrain. <laughs> it becomes a ruined well. terrain. Take a hammer. <laughs> <laughs> um, originally, like the pellets from Spider Man. <laughs> uh, yeah, originally I um I I made the Naga that I was talking about were meant to be like proper naga but um i'd made their fin like they have a fin on the back too uh -huh. thin um and what ended up happening was that it sort of went all spiky and weird so i was like you know what that looks like something on fire so um i just painted them to be like uh you know like a fire sub variant of naga that like live in lava or whatever and, right right um yeah like the so, salamanders? So definitely get <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the fire one right it looks it looks like a naga but they live in fire yeah isn't that sure. that's right right that's a thing right yeah okay <laughs> It's a um, thing in my world. <laughs> <laughs> the the reason now. I the reason I had asked is because I, I I had followed you and I had followed other people who do the the printing uh, the 3D printing and I've seen that some people end up using like their uh, their melted minis and ones that don't turn out uh, as like zombies or undead or or yeah, mutated monsters cool. you know all these different they find a use for them they don't have to look perfect when they come out. Um, uh, our buddy New York uh, Tater says. How well does the items that you print take uh, paint? Do they need to be primed at first? Um, yeah, so it's uh, it is a, a an acrylic, so it's it's very similar to how uh, normal stuff does. But the other thing that you have to consider is the layer height. So yeah, um, definitely, you get like little steps in it around corners and stuff. Um, so if you use a primer usually that helps fill in those little gaps and make it look more smooth and round and, and plasticky. Um, uh, but yeah, like what I have just painted, most of the stuff I've painted, I've just painted straight onto the, onto the thing. Cause for me, I'm, I'm often doing just like rough jobs cause I'm, I'm trying to show it. But uh, for instance, my, my hero mini of RJ, my, my character, um, who I retired after 1 million XP, I, I got that printed off on Hero Forge, like got the file and printed it off. Um, I'm going to actually prime it and and do all the proper, make it pretty and uh, and and do all do all of that and and then paint it nice. But yeah, they take paint just fine. Like um, if you don't prime it, it can. Um, it is a very smooth product, so it can. You know, you might want to give it a sand first. But yeah. Um, and I think uh, correct me if I'm wrong. You you said that the average cost of each mini is about six cents. Uh, yeah, once you start so printing them? once you get set up, um, the the th like I said, the the filament, um, you can get like um, a, a kilo, a kilogram of that. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that is in American weight. Two point two pounds, I think. That's about right. <laughs> of of the fiber for about thirty thirty dollars Australian, so like twenty five US. Um, and the amount of depending upon how much detail and how big the thing is, but. If you're talking just like a normal miniature, they take like hardly any any at all. So, right. um, you know, it, it, it works out to be six cents a meter, and um, most of mine are at about a meter and a half of of the of the stuff. So, um, of the ink, I just call it ink. It's the plastic filament. <laughs> um, so, it, it it is once you get that setup cost, it is reasonably cheap. 
I mean, it does draw power, but like it's it's not that much, like no more than say a kettle or, or whatever does, um, you know, because it is just heating an element. Right. Um, yeah. With yeah, it, once once pretty cheap. With the cost being so cheap, can you make money off of it? You can. The only thing is that um, you have to create the file, right? So right. Um, a lot of the you can get lots of files for free on on Thingiverse or whatever, and you can pay for a lot of files, but. Um, generally, they all have like, so the ones on Thingiverse have a Creative Commons uh, copyright mm-hmm. contract thing, like you're not allowed to, to steal it. Um, and, and if you make money off it, you're meant to, to pay for all that stuff. And then the ones that you pay for, like uh, Printable Scenery does amazing scenery. It's so good, but um, you know, you can't, can't print stuff off. I have um, made a little, I mean, not a lot of money, but a, a little bit of money. I made some templates for a game called Infinity. Um, if you know that, you know, they've got the flamer templates and, and the big um you know things um and i sort of customize them so I, i've been making some money off that selling them to people um i also designed myself um some turrets uh some of my friends were trying you know they're playing 40k and one of the things that they wanted to play you could only get this part from forge world um so i i usually just charge them like a little bit more than what it costs me to make just to mm-hmm. make sure i'm paying for electricity and things like that sure but, right. um in the time you know, that you yeah, could be you, you know definitely. making other things <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's it. And you know what? Those rings that I, you know, obviously those rings, um, you know, I designed, I designed them so <laughs> I could sell them if I wanted to. Uh, but yeah. So. Um, so what are some of the challenges you kind of ran into during this whole process and how did you overcome them? Uh, yeah, so um, it can be very, very frustrating to get your printer set up nicely. Um, and uh, there's... There's a lot of people who talk about different stuff, but they don't really explain uh, very clearly what that stuff is. Mm-hmm. And um, some people talk about the settings that they use for their printer. And if that's different to the printer that you have, the settings might not be appropriate. Things like retraction settings, like how it pulls the plastic back in and stuff like that. Um, and I spent a long time getting my printer set up perfectly and nice. And then um, I did the upgrade and then the upgrade caused me more problems. Oh, and no. I, had to get it. I had to pay someone to actually come in and fix it after I installed the upgrade. Um, and then obviously just knowing how to fix something. If something's wrong, identifying cor- what it is r- correctly is mm-hmm. really important. Like, for instance, I thought that the upgrade is what caused the problems and that the new nozzle was was all the things. But um, it turns out that actually uh, the problem was with the firmware of the computer software of the motor. Mm-hmm. It wasn't holding the settings correctly and I had mm-hmm. to do an, an update um, on, on the thing. So um, just knowing what the problem is, and, and fixing it is, a, is often a big challenge. And that's the most frustrating time when you like think you know what's wrong and then you go to print something and it, whatever you try doesn't work. And a lot of people, I think, give up at that stage. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you never know, give up, never surrender. You know, kind of going off of what you just said, what advice do you have for people who are thinking about st- starting 3D printing? Do it. Yeah. If you can afford to get one, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun. And even though it's a big problem, um, you know, for, for some of the things, once, once it's running smoothly, like it's, it's a lot of fun. And um, also it means that you can sort of make things yours. And kind of going off of that, like obviously there's a lot of options when it comes to uh, 3D printers and a lot of price points. What advice do you give to people when they're shopping around or looking for something? Definitely do your research. Um, like I said, I went into the shop with uh, with the with the mind set of like this is the thing that I want, um, and then once I actually found out about the product uh, in more detail, I realized that's exactly the opposite of what I wanted. <laughs> um, 
So, so think about that. Um, like have your price in mind, um, but do your, do your research and just know that like sort of often the cheaper something is, the, the worse it's going to turn out right. for you in the long run. So right, right. you have to sort of maximize. You have to find like value for money. Um, and uh, I mean, you could be lucky like me and they give you a free, more, almost free upgrade. Um, <laughs> or, you know, you, you, I mean like that guy at, at that shop could very easily have said to me, sure, here's this three in one. We've got one in stock. Um, and good luck getting cartridges because nowhere is supporting them anymore because they're all moving to this, you know, uh, chipped version. Right. Um, you know, and, and, but he was a good guy. He told me, no, do, do this. So definitely if it wasn't for him, I would currently, that box behind me would uh, end up, um, you know, not being used. Whereas now I use it easily. Like it's often just going for weeks at a time, just spitting out stuff. So um, research, find out what, what is, you know, what you want to do. And um, if I were to have my time again and, and sort of buy, uh, buy another one, instead of getting one with a single head, I'd get one with a second head to be able to print the supports of a dissolvable material. But yeah, it's make it a bit easier on me for cleanup. Right, uh, right. But yeah, you research. You'll find yeah. all this stuff out. Um, Sam in the chat asks, do you feel that 3D printing is in its infancy and maybe worth waiting a while uh, for the products to become cheaper? So... Um, in the time it took me to save up, 3D printing went from the kind that I could afford was made actually printing paper with glue at that time. <laughs> um, and, and uh, you know, obviously the longer you wait, the better the technology is going to be. Right. Um, I think that it's now that they've got PLA uh, working uh, in the way that they would like it to work, um, I think now is a good time to get in because the next jumping off point um, like where it's going to skyrocket is, you know, we've just had one of those big, like big dips, you know, on a graph. It, it's just said, okay, this is where we're up to. Um, and I don't think the money for value is going to increase for another like five or 10 years. So um, like, that's my personal opinion. I, I don't have a lot sure. of facts to back that up, but just seeing uh, where it's at, like uh, I would probably say now's a good time. Um, but if not now, you know, if you're like three, if you're listening to this podcast, you know, in 2020 or whatever, maybe give <laughs> it another three or four years because there might be a, a big step then. Right, right. But th what you kind of said though, it sounds like anything really to tech. Like, yeah, you can wait for stuff to improve, but sometimes yeah. you just. I kind of feel like though sometimes if you keep waiting and don't get me wrong, sometimes it's definitely worth to do that. You'll just simply miss out and not pull the trigger eventually because you can always wait for something better. Right. Yeah. Well, that's what, that's what happened to me. If it wasn't for that guy at the party telling right. me about his experiences, like I would still be waiting and being like, Oh no, they're too expensive. I want to wait till I can get one with a good scanner and blah, blah, blah. Right. right. Scanning is where the next uh, step is going to be at the moment. The scans are all very blobby. Um, but I think the next step is going to be that. that Improving that step. process. And I don't think, about five years right all right well i think we've got a lot we've had a lot of good discussion on this and by discussion i mean you've answered a lot of questions for us and honestly it's really opened my eyes up to the the the, the things you can do i had no idea you could just print what whatever the hell you can fit in your box um that sounds amazing and it's definitely got me hyped for it i don't know how everyone else is feeling but i definitely want would like to look more into this um and that's coming from a guy who doesn't use as many minis as everyone else so um yeah. i do love the idea that if you're a home brewer this is the best thing if you can learn to design your own stuff you can literally <laughs> design your own homebrew minis 
of your own creation created monsters. That's awesome. Yeah, I feel like if you if you got 3D printed, you'd be using minis again. <laughs> I pro- probably. I would. I would. I would have to. I'd be like, I just bought this and thing. I gotta fucking print some shit off. That's what happens. Like I ended up printing <laughs> off stuff for school and all sorts of things. Like you, you just end up finding all these uses for it. Like, oh, I can I can fix that window. No worries. <laughs> like we've had this window broken for ten years. I get a 3D printer. I fix it the next day. Problem solved. Right. Like, I read about online. Like, actually, you got a guy. Actually, read online about a guy who have uh, fixes a. F- the hinge on his fridge with a 3D printer. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. There's a whole Reddit to like, uh, it's called functional printing, I think, something like oh, that. Nice. And uh, yeah, just people who like fix stuff around the house. I would say though, like it does have a steep learning curve, right? So uh, much like Photoshop, you need to you need to learn. Uh, to, and your machine will have a different learning curve to someone else's machine. Like, so you have to learn the machine. Once you understand the limitations and how the machine works, it's, yeah. And then you have it forever. Like right. as long as you it can get break. PLA... Plastic. You can print whatever you want. And actually, with the PLA plastic, every time you press, I mean, how flexible would you say it is? Like, does it have a little bit of give before it snaps, or mm-hmm. is it pretty stiff? Oh, so the PLA um, is very similar to acrylic in the sense that it will bend it before it snaps. Um, but because it is um, like, so if you just take it out of the out of the reel, you, it's very flexible. But then once it's printed, it becomes a little bit more brittle. And then it just depends on what the um, connection to the main body of the thing is okay right. yeah um sam and chat says i would love a system for this but i'm afraid that my D bag would balloon into a massive van full of gear to take to each game <laughs> yes it does <laughs> i went from having like nothing to having i actually take a toolbox filled with minis to game. <laughs> that's funny well, I think uh, I think that'll do it for our main topic, the 3D uh, printing. Um, we want to thank you for sharing your experiences with us, uh, RJ. That really was uh, very enlightening to us, and thank our listeners for all the questions because um, I only had like six questions, and they helped bring in a lot more. So I'm and really they were good questions. That. Yeah, they were. So, uh, yeah, do yeah. you have any? Sorry uh, to all the people who are waiting for unearth tips and tricks for me rambling on. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any uh, uh, further comments you want to make on that before we transition into our uh, next segment? No, I think they've listened to me long enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that'll do it for our main topic then. Before we uh, move on to our honor tips and tricks, we have one more gift we'd like to give away. Compliments of Warsmith. Each episode, we will draw another lucky subscriber's name, and they will win the best-selling adventure, The Claws of Madness. Compliments of Lawsmith. Lawsmith is a small indie team of creative artists who remember exploring the realms together with friends finding incredible places, and meeting colorful characters along the way. They set out to deliver an experience that sparks those lasting impressions that pushed them to create their first standalone adventure, The Claws of Madness. This best-selling adventure is one that you don't want to miss. RJ, who is our winner today? The winner for The Claws of Madness is... Leanne... 99. <laughs> <laughs> it comes crashing down and it hurts inside... Uh, I wish you guys at home could see how stupid we look. <laughs> We're <laughs> dancing around like the Numa Numa guy. <laughs> I just uh, I just pretend that I'm in my car every time I hear that music. Nathan <laughs> <laughs> says, I fucking love you guys. We love you too, Nathan. And we love all of you. And once again. With mouth. <laughs> and once again, uh, Leanne F99, you have found that Close of Madness prize once you go in and claim it. Yes. Yeah, Leanne uh, Samuel just said uh, he's got a friend of his who has a printer and he's going to get him to work to donate a few f- he said he's going to put him to work and donate a few rolls of filament nice. if you have uh, someone who has a 3D printer 
and you're willing to buy them filament, they will print you anything. Like filament is like crack. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, you, come here, come here. I got something good for you. Look at this good stuff. Look at this roll I got. You want some of this? I can help you. The first one's free. <laughs> the first touch is free. You got to make sure that it's the right filament for their, for their printer. But yeah, yeah. Um, Ed says, I swear it looks like you guys are having an epileptic uh, fit at, it, uh, at the same time. Um, that's because so the, we uh, are. <laughs> so the Harlem Shake? The Harlem Shake. <laughs> I shared a video out to our patrons of us. We made a Harlem Shake video years ago, and it's the stupidest thing ever, and I shared it with our patrons. You can find it in like the bloopers uh, outtakes section. So, um, All right, so... Now on to moving on to everyone's favorite segment, our unearthed tips and tricks, where we bring new and creative uh, material for you to bring with you on your next adventure. <laughs> Hi, everybody who skipped through the boring 3D printing stuff. Welcome to unearthed tips and tricks. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. Uh, um, I have a spoiler alert for you. They all might be themed about 3D printing. <laughs> oh, no way, you think? Um, so our first UTT today is our character concept. The Flash Forger, an arcane magic user that uses their focus to create inanimate objects, similar to the Green Lantern. I'm all of a sudden reminded of a joke Brandon said about how he knows no man with a ring that has any power. (laughs) 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 He can't make things uh, too complex, but uses the same kinds of magic that mage armor, uh, that magic that mage armor and shield is made out of to construct weapons. Uh, solutions to puzzles, trigger traps, etc. Still based off the wizard slash sorcerer, with the functionality of many spells being the same, i.e. knock. Is that That's not even in 5e, is it? Knock? I don't know, 5e, man. I know you don't, and shame on wizards, you. Wizards, uh, cronies. <laughs> <laughs> i.e. knock. <laughs> i.e. knock is creating a key instead of, you know, making the knock noise. Okay. Or the magic weapon is making their sword a giant razor, etc. But with some impromptu spellcrafting, if the GM allows it. There's a, st- still got knock. We just call it Mage Hand now. <laughs> click, 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 click. Mage um, Hand opens doors? Yeah. Well, if it, you use it to turn the handle. <laughs> oh, no. Like, you know, knock unlocks a door. Knock unlocks well, so does Mage Hand with a key. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or if you're... Uh, the rogue. Oh yeah, the, uh, the arcane trickster rogue can pick locks with it and okay. stuff. Actually, RJ, as you're reading that description, I basically had like a brief epiphany for an idea for a a, a miniature. You'll probably hate this idea, but I think it's awesome at the same same time. Basically, like I just like print a miniature in his is like underwear, if you will, but then yeah. you create some snap on armor and yeah, you, you swapping it that. out. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I really like this idea, not only because I'm a Green Lantern fan, but um, because <laughs> I love anything that spurs creativeness. And there is uh, a wizard uh, um, archetype, the um, the Conjurer, that basically lets you create minor objects and stuff. So I can totally see this being a uh, very uh, fun class to play. When I when I first started writing this, I thought, you know what, it's um. It's very much like the Green Lantern. But then as I got towards the end, I realized, like, actually, I had a player who, who did this. It was his first time playing. And um, he just started asking me, like, can I do this? And I'm like, at first I was like, no, that's not really in the rules. And then I realized, actually, I mean, you have access to this spell, which has the same result as that. It's just how you're using your magic, like how you're describing the magic is different. Like you're so I realized after writing this, I've actually had this character already in the game. Actually, <laughs> this made me think of... Um, 
my old group that I used to play with, we occasionally played Mutants and Masterminds. I miss playing that game, which is basically a superhero RPG. But I was one of the few players that actually knew how to build characters in that game. And to be fair, there is a lot to it. <laughs> but I created a character called Legion. And that's not like the, Mar- the Marvel comic character, but his basic, basic concept was he was in an animated suit of armor. And that he had, and he had a, what I call a connection to the forge. And kind of like what you're saying here, like force? he could uh, create objects like Green Lantern, only it was magical metal instead of uh, energy constructs. And the character actually cool. worked so well that, that basically, the, very quickly, the players I gamed with at the time, we very quickly devolved into like this really dysfunctional superhero team. <laughs> and probably that was because guys didn't know how to build their characters correctly, so they kind of came up with really odd stuff. And I first like, Ian, your characters are so awesome! Why the heck are you hanging out with these losers? Well, it turns <laughs> out that um, every time I tried to do... T- okay, the problem with Legion was anytime he fought minions, he did great. He could do a, a great job of cleaning out groups. But the moment you gave a name to the character that he was fighting, <laughs> he could not touch them. Nothing that's but threes, funny. fours, fives. Right. I'm like, oh, that's why I'm with, with these guys. Well, what you, you talk about this being very Green Lantern build. I'm envisioning like uh, so, uh, replacing your, your magic missile with like flying boxing gloves or flying yeah. fists that, you know, just punch the guys, boop, 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 you know, something like that. So I can easily see an entire character concept, you know, built around something like this. Or you, you, you know, you use the conjure, uh, the, you use the reflavoring technique to change your, you know, your firebolt to like, you know, uh, a spawn, like mini gun or something that, you know, that shoots little cannons, boom, 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 but it's just fucking firebolt reflavored, you know, or the magic missile, like uh biting the arrows. Could you imagine that if your player just showed up, he's like, yeah, um, I hold out my hand in this giant, giant metal spinning or this giant metal thing appears like in um with this bluey translucent glow and it's got like eight different barrels and as i squeeze on both handles it starts rotating and these little blasts come out what the fuck spell is that oh that's my that's my eldritch blast bro <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, this is the thing i love like it's it, it, it when you take your character as this concept there's no way you're not describing literally every action in combat. <laughs> right overboard and, and like tie us up for four hours like that's that's bringing the player into the storytelling and into the narrative and that's a big part for me as we've yeah. discussed in the past like yeah <laughs> that's that's why i uh, that's why i love you 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 um from all the time we've talked together you seem more of that the narrative and control of the players as long as it doesn't affect the mechanics too much is really what you care about and that's the, the same way i run my games and maybe that's why we get along yeah. <laughs> now, if you're a rules you Nazi, too, yeah, I love you too. <laughs> um, um, all right. So, uh, do you have any other uh, points on this you want to touch on? This Flash Forger, which is a badass name, by the way. It's literally just the name of my 3D printer. <laughs> well, you know what? If I can work out for you, didn't yeah. it? That's um, it. It works great. Do you want to talk to I'm it? Good. I'm good. Oh, crud! What was that old class called? The Artificer. Yes. Yeah. Artificer. I yeah. miss that. I wish that was a thing. <laughs> Actually, I, th- I feel like an artificer did pop up recently in the uh, it was under in the, Arcana, yeah. yeah, yeah it but was. they still need to work on it more. Yeah. Um, RJ, would you like to... Uh, so that'll do it for our character concept, the Flash Forger. RJ, would you like to take our monster variant? Monster variant. Failed Warforged Golem or Tinker Toy. Uh, so, so many of my 3D prints end up turning into big mutated blobby messes. Um, and I imagine that if I was in the fantasy world... Uh, you know, just knowing my creating skills, 
absolutely some of my constructs that I would definitely try to make if I lived in a fantasy world would end up like these big blobby messes and badly <laughs> made. Um, and I'm sure it would have similar problems to that. And um, I started thinking about that and um, I would imagine like if, if that happened, what would happen? They'd probably get discarded and um, that would, you know, probably be a big problem. And, um, you know, as, as I'm sure that, you know, uh, you know, that would happen in, to other people, they'd get rid of them. So uh, these, this monster variant, they come with an ability called not quite right. There's something not quite right about the failed construct that is still alive. And it's unnerving to those that view them. When players first contact a failed construct, roll 1d10. Subtract that amount from any rolls made in its presence as its oddity is so distracting that you can't look away. It's multiple, uh, if there are multiple failed constructs, only take the highest distraction penalty. That's yeah. a big penalty. So, like, you know, when you see, like, something that doesn't look right, it sort of stands out to you. Like, someone right. has a really big nose or, so, you know, something like that. I was, I, I was, uh, so the uh, Fush Gomez on the craft here, he started out growing some tumors. It, it wasn't pretty. <laughs> yeah, I was, yeah uh, imagine a flesh golem with, like, a penis on its head. <laughs> you know, like, that would be very distracting. <laughs> yes, it would. Um, for those that play 5e, I would recommend substi- substituting the roll of d10 for d- uh, disadvantage since it moves away from all those modifiers. But um, I, I, I love this idea that something is so unnerving to look at. Do you, do you ever watch Toy Story? I'm reminded of when they yes. went to the neighbor kid's house and he had like all the Barbies and stuff mix-matched and, you know, you had to, it was just kind of disturbing to look at. So I can see something like that being distracting. Um, and the fact that this has a lot of uh, easy um, re, uh, retooling across multiple different creatures, uh, constructs, golems, you know, all those different things. It's a pretty simple ability, but it really helps fit the narrative because now the dm is going to be forced to describe in detail why this is so unnerving um i would say a dick on a head would definitely be interesting but <laughs> i don't know as it'd be as unnerving as the, you know the guy's heads on backwards and his nose is on one side and his arms are all twisted and, and gangly backwards his legs are going different direction you know things like that would really uh force the the dm to really do good descriptions with each monster they run into because you know if you put three of these not quite right golems they're not all going to be the same so you have to really describe them clearly even sometimes like something very subtle like i mean if you think in real life like if someone has like their eyes just look like they're a little bit too far down their face or something like that like even just a little thing and it doesn't have to be outrageous like a dick on the head or whatever but like you know even just like something small like that can really be like it gives you flavor yeah yeah i I agree i see when i see somebody with a lazy i can't help but stare at the damn thing it's really distracting so i totally understand (laughs) or like a really big gap between their teeth (laughs) um so do we have anything else we want to add to that i'm good all right that'll do it for our monster variant the failed what did you call it that fails not quite right yeah, let's go with that. We're going to go with that. Uh, or the failed experiment. That works too. Failed experiment. Yeah, we go. There is our monster variant, the failed experiment. Um, and next up on deck, we have the encounter. Welcome to the forge. This thing kind of takes place inside a giant forge. Hence the name. Perhaps it's the forge for some sort of like, a, who, I don't know, some uh, gargantuan creatures. Or perhaps like um, an iron forge that has a uh, giant production facility for lines for multiple workers, so it kind of got a GM plant. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, basically, we got uh, huge bits of uh, glowing molten metal. There are hazards. There are all over the place. A uh, well, 
because no crack is, is molten metal, the intent heat can have burned you if you stand close to it. Because hot metal does get hot. Duh. Players can get fatigued and must take endurance tests to keep fighting here in this sweltering heat that is seeping through their armor and causing them to sweat and stuff. And, and stuff. <laughs> metal foam. But the plus side, though, is because it's so hot, metal from weapons can deal fire damage if they take a turn to heat up their blades in the forge itself. That's, Ooh, uh, pr- like that's that. pretty baller. I like that. And they might find some weapons and armor readily at hand. And the uh, longer they stay, the hotter it seems to get. And um, at the same time, can't have a barbecue. <laughs> All right. Before, yeah. <laughs> before I give my thoughts on this, I would love to hear... Uh, and if I didn't say this already, a lot, all this was brought to you was brought to you by Arjade. Um, so, do you want to tell us uh, your a little more detail uh, what you got going on here? Actually, after I just said, I kind of like a picture of some like a dual weapon fighter dagger in one hand, sword in the other, fighting the way with the with the long sword have like, has a bratwurst on the on the dagger cooking <laughs> or, <laughs> uh, or the forge. <laughs> Yeah, so um, I, I was thinking like uh, you know what what could we do with the, with the forge stuff, and um, I was reminded of uh that movie whether you like it or hate it, the uh, Star Wars Episode Two. There's like a scene where they're in a droid factory, uh-huh. and they're like you know dodging all this extra stuff and, yeah. and things. And I was like, there's there's a scene where she's in like a, a cauldron thing that's going through for the smelter and the li- like mm-hmm. you're pouring the molten liquid, and I'm like. She wouldn't just be sitting there like it would be that metal would be hot like everything's made of metal in there it's going to be super hot and I was and that sort of led to this and I just started playing with the ideas and um yeah like I just think this is really cool and I don't know about you but I get hot and sweaty and have you ever been in leather when you've been sweaty like it's not a good sign I mean like that's why we wear socks right every Otherwise, time maybe. every time I uh, my wife and I spend a little extra time together actually <laughs> Or another good example too is the as much as I hate to use as an example the uh, second Hobbit movie, the Desolation of Smog, when the uh, doors kicked up the forge to fight the dragon. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, that's molten metal. Molten metal is really hot. <laughs> yeah. It's like so, yeah. so your plan was to make a giant statue, which then melts. Under the dra- that makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, the, the the real thing I I really like that you touched on is is the fatigue and the endurance testing. Um, con yeah. saves is something that really, um is would be important in my opinion in something like this um because what i mean how what is the best way to represent that your character is being exhausted constitution saves four levels of exhaustion that way the players the longer this battle goes on they're incentivized to try to either end it quickly or find a way to get out of the situation they're in because as soon as they make a con save and fail and have one left i don't know how much you don't know anything about exhaustion i assume there rj because you don't play 5e but I know it's got the levels. And, yeah, and stuff, so yeah. as soon as I have played five A, I just haven't. I don't. It's not my main one. Yeah, well, that's, <laughs> that's too bad. Um. Anyways, uh. So uh. The tier the tiers of exhaustion. First, you can you lose advantage on ability checks. Then you start to slow down. You're you take disadvantage on attacks, and eventually you die. So the longer yeah. they're in this situation, it is very incentiv- It's incentivizing them to finish what they're doing and get the hell out. But if you build this encounter to the point where whatever they're fighting isn't affected by the heat and has a reason yeah. to keep them there. You can take it from a straight up like combat encounter to they're just trying to hold them in place for an extended period of time like until they melt. Yeah. Like a, like a, like a flash forge golem. Uh, what was the other, what was yeah. it called uh, earlier? The, uh, the, failed uh, the failed constructs, you know, yeah, but- 
So what you just said is sort of what I would do as a GM if I was running this. Like I would put them up against creatures who are, they're used to the heat. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're immune to fire damage. So, um, you know, maybe they like someone picks up a sword to stab at them and because it's been in the forge, it's dealing the fire damage. And, uh, you know, then it does no damage to them or worse heals them, you know. So um, that's a big thing. But yeah, like, I mean, we've been sitting here for what, like maybe an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, already I've I've drunk like three or four times. You you've run out of water. Yes, you I'm sad. Did you see me? How sad yeah, I was. You know, imagine that in the combat, right? right? Like if you're in there for that long. I mean, it, fighting when you're thirsty, when you're dehydrated, uh, and you're sweating, and all this stuff like that's right. uh, been doing athletics when that's the case. That's really a, a big thing. So yeah, carrying yeah, heavy stuff and up. being surrounded in your equipment. I mean, if you're wearing metal, I assume it's getting super hot too and burning your flesh. Yeah. I would almost say the heat metal effect would take place after so many minutes inside of a. Uh, a, a dungeon like this or this forge because it would be uh, the metal would be doing ongoing damage to you. This is where you could let the wizard in the in the monks really really uh, take the take the front stage because the guy in full plate has to take off his plate and can't wield his big greatsword because it's burning in his hands or something along those lines. And that's so. it. When you've got a player that's built their character around the fact they've got this massive AC and then all of a sudden they have to take off the biggest part of that or take fire damage every turn. Like you're making that we- that strength a weakness and yeah. that's, that, that flips plays on their heads. Now, now don't do that often because that will yeah, piss your players oh no. off, but this is a good, <laughs> this, yeah, this is a good way to make them think about those things that they don't usually, Oh, my guy's wearing plate. Okay. Well, you're riding a horse. That horse is probably not happy. You're wearing plate or, Hey, you're trudging through the desert. You're wearing plate. I'm, that's probably not comfortable, you know. So having I'm this attacked in my sleep, I'm already in my armor. What <laughs> armor do you wear? Chainmail. Like, <laughs> uh, how are you sleeping in chainmail, buddy? <laughs> yeah, carefully. Yeah. Um, so yes, I love this uh, this encounter, and I look forward to running it for my uh, my players. So um, yeah. that is our encounter of the podcast, the Forge. Um, our next one up is <laughs> the magic item of the podcast is the Doppelbox. A small arcane box the size of a small chest. So, A. (laughs) Placing an item atop the box's arcane plate and activating the box creates a duplicate within 24 hours. Hmm. (laughs) This can can only create things that will fit within the box. If the item is moved during the 24 hours, the box will reflect uh, the box will reflect this movement in its creation, <laughs> getting some weird creation, I imagine. Below uh, yeah. below the box is a compartment where you must put the transmutation reagents inside. These reagents will be used to construct the item. For example, if you have a wooden sword and place it in the reagents box, it will create an iron sword within the box. Be careful as things may not turn out as you expect. Did I read that right? <laughs> no, you didn't. No, it's <laughs> if you put a wooden sword on top, put iron in the bottom, it'll make an iron sword. There you go. Okay, okay. Yeah, I did read that wrong. I was like, wait, that <laughs> I, my brain just broke. I was like, that doesn't sound right. Um, that yes. doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so I, I love this idea. Um, one thing that I think I would, I would speculate, I, w- I would make uh, a big deal is that it couldn't replicate magic. But mm. other than that, um, normal items, uh, how many, I mean, I love the, the I love to give access to the entire uh, basic equipment list um, to my, my players, and sometimes they don't get use out of it as much. But if they have something like this that can uh, duplicate some of the things they use, like manacles. I love manacles. That's one of my favorite yeah. playing items. It, you can become such a powerful controller just by having manacles. 
grapple them, they can't get out, and you can drag them wherever you want. So being able to duplicate something like that would be super, super convenient. Um, what do you think of, uh, uh, about this since you created it there, Arjid? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like, originally I just started, like, uh, this is actually the first one I did. Uh, and it, it's basically just a 3D printer. <laughs> <laughs> Gee. Um, yeah, and... Uh, Edward in the in the chat saying like you know all protein based items like food and, and stuff. Oh like yeah, that. I wouldn't you, allow that probably either. Yeah, but that's why I added the reagents part. Like whatever you put in is what what you get out. You know, I mean, like any full al metal alchemist fans will know. You know, you got to put so much in to get a human <laughs> equivalent right? exchange. And then it's probably not going to work out right. <laughs> so, but yeah, like I thought this like uh, this would be really useful uh, thing. So I started off just trying to make my three D printer in in a Dungeons and Dragons setting, but. Um, it ended up turning out to be something that I would actually, you know, imagine using. Like, um, you know, imagine you had like a key that you were trying to replicate, or um, you know, uh, maybe if you're a, if you're a smith, you might get one to you know recreate those things that you hate making, like a box of nails, for instance, <laughs> or take you know, a long time that's you know boring as hell. Um, <laughs> the exchange rate is better than the Aussie dollar. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too, Tate. <laughs> That's yeah, funny. you know, like it, I think that this, if you had magic that was able to, you know, transmute stuff, why would you not make an item that does that for you? Right. Sam says you could try to let them uh, do something biological and find out that it creates something like unexpected, like a gas, or even worse than that. That's cool. Yeah, or even more cool, make them think it worked at first. Oh, and then it not. And then later discover, oops, I made a zombie or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Or like you know the fly, something something else lands Ooh. on the on the pad while you're making it, and you end up with like a you know a, a monstrous fly come out and attack you or something. Yeah, made like out like, of iron. like putting a like putting a knife on there, and while you're duplicating it, a, a butterfly come in. Now you got a butterfly knife. That would be cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> like <laughs> microwaving a banana. I don't know what happens when you microwave a banana, but I'm definitely gonna go and find Does out. Does that explode? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Um, Probably. So I really like this item. I love the creativity that comes with it. Like I said, I love a lot of the like ball bearings. I love ball bearings. You can get so many use. Can you imagine if just the the the, the uh, rogues like uh, I'm gonna spend the next like ten days uh, making ball bearings? Why? Ho ho! You'll find out. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> ball ball bearings uh, alone are cheap, but they can get. It, 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 some people would say considered a waste of money, but if you like got like a big backpack full of these things and dropped them from a high height, you now have a lethal weapon, you know. So I like yeah, finding yeah. A, a way to create, yeah. you know, more of those little things like that. Dude, why'd you put all those ball bearings on the uh, bottle of Alchemist Fire? No reason. <laughs> oh no! Claim my mind. <laughs> That's nice. I like there that. There it is. <laughs> um, do we have any other comments on this awesome item? This is very cool, and I'm very glad that you submitted it there, RJ. No, that's okay. It's all good. It's all part of being, uh, you know, part of the community. Yeah, the yep. Crit Nation yeah, no, community. No, um, so that is our magic item, the Doppelbox. Um, Ian, do you want to take our DM tip? Okay, for our DM do tip. Do you want me to take the DM tip? Do you want the <laughs> DM tip? It's sort of worded. It's worded pretty crappy? Yeah. Okay, our We'll let him, we'll let you do the player tip. Okay, is that all right? Yeah. yeah sorry, it, just because it's worded like from the first person, I thought it's probably better if I uh, I give it a go. DM tip: Let players craft things. As a player, one of my favorite things to do. See what I mean? Like if Ian said that, it might not. Ian is crafting. Well, maybe he feels that way. Oh yeah, Ian. Like, like the build stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as a player, one of my favorite things to do is taking uh, a craft and working on a project with uh, in my characters downtime. 
Uh, problem is that my characters never have any downtime and never gets interesting materials to work with. Uh, so GMs need to encourage players to think about how they can use their craft to do things other than just make money. Uh, they can forge a solution to a puzzle, maybe. Uh, can they help an old farmer by making a deterrent for the cows that seem to keep jumping the fence, you know? Uh, can they create a roof that won't burn when the kobolds attack the town next time or whatever? Like, how can you use your craft? Uh, how can you get your players to use their craft in a, in a way that's useful to your story? <laughs> when I read this, uh, I was immediately uh, uh, thought of... Um, I had... Uh, Ryan in a game, and he was uh, he was uh, he wanted his character to be a leather worker, and he also had a poisoner's kit, and he had these two interesting crafts that he said, "I want, I really want to focus on these. Can you can you help me do something with them?" So when they were they were fighting something that had poison, the carrion crawler. They're fighting the carrion crawler, and it has like its fangs have it like a poison in them. I says, "Well, uh, I, I he tried to retrieve that that poison, and he said, "Okay, I successfully did this." Is there any way I can tie this to my armor to create kind of like a resistance effect? And the first thing to my mind is like, what? It's not a vaccine. It's not. Yeah. That's not, not going to work that way. But then what I, I realized the carrion crawler. <laughs> what I realized he was trying to do is he was trying to make like poison resistant armor. And I'm like, yeah. okay, I can see. I can see that. So what we'll do is after you'll have to find somebody that can convert this into some sort of magic and and you know you'll have to weave have this person there while you're weaving this piece of armor and we can we'll do some checks and we'll see how it goes and by the end of it you know he succeeded and in, in created uh, a poison resistant armor it's the only thing it does it's the same as the hide it just now when he gets attacked by a poison it's resistant so um that's awesome that that reminded me of this because that's what I, I I did. I basically took something. Well, he approached me first though, so I don't know if it's exactly the same. But he said, "Hey, I want this to be important. How can we make this important?" And we tried to. And I that's why I think this is such a great great DM tip because some of those things get so overlooked, especially in five e, because a lot of stuff's meant to be done in quote unquote downtime, and so they're they're not actively doing it all the time. So going out of your way to find a way to encourage them to use their craft to to. To, to help in some way. Like, I love the idea of the, the anti-burning roof. You know, like, they keep burning <laughs> down our village when they attack. What are we going to do? Well, you know, I'm a leather worker. I bet you that won't catch fire as much as, you know, hay or wood. Hey, that's it. <laughs> or you could uh, take a page from the dwarves and just go in underground, mix up terrain homes. Well, then, yeah, there you go. And then they'll smoke you out. Get, make a fan. <laughs> that's why I have that's why you have vents, genius. Okay. Um, so I really like this idea. I think you really hit the uh, the the nail on the head with this. Um, is there any particular example you can think of where you would have applied this in your experience? Um. Yeah. Yeah. So I I'm I try to said give, yeah. Um, <laughs> I try to give my my players uh, you know interesting materials to work with regularly. Um, they recently, so first off, I realized that my plays don't get downtime in this same campaign I'm about to talk about because I uh, interrupted their sleep with a thing and they're like, man, this is like every time we sleep, you interrupt us. We haven't <laughs> slept for like six days in a row. So, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, but, uh, and then, so I realized, yeah, they aren't getting downtime. And um, they were going to one of the like uh, big bad guys in the campaign I was running um, is like a, a smith. Uh, he's like a dragon that pretends to be like a dwarven smith and he's put out a call for like all this iron and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so they went and they were investigating him and the reason why I won the iron was because he's a dragon, he's infusing 
uh, you know, the iron with dragon blood and making fire iron, which again, you can see the rules for that on Game Master Stash or, or on my website. I've got them, um, you know, where they, where they get bonuses and things like that. And um, I thought that was really uh, a cool idea. You know, like they're, they're raiding this forge and now all of a sudden they've got access to all of these, uh, you know, crafting materials, which they can loot, which by themselves are worth something. But if they take it back and spend some time smithing, They've then just made themselves like some very powerful armor or weapons, or mm-hmm. whatever. And whether they sell that or keep that, you know, that's that's a powerful thing for them to have. Right, right. I agree 100. percent Um, I think this is an awesome DM tip. I think you mm-hmm. really did awesome. So thank you. thank you for sharing that with <laughs> us. Um, that'll do it for our dungeon master tip of the podcast. Let me scroll up so I can read the name. Let players craft things. Our player tip of the podcast is. Don't, Don't be, be a, a dick. dick. And you, the player, can avoid <laughs> dickitude by finding a way to offer something back to the party. Maybe you're a smith who likes to, well, smith stuff. <laughs> like weapons, or tools, <laughs> or armor. Or maybe you're a mage who likes to enchant your stuff with it, some of your own pocket money. Or perhaps it's uh, something as simple as you, you reply that you're a cook. And yeah, well, cook. <laughs> That's what cooks do. <laughs> and no person in the group just hangs around without c- contributing in some sort of way and uh, work out what you uh, bring to the table. And uh, sometimes it's uh, how some of these memories that create nostalgia when you think back on the game years later. Like, uh, remember Vorak? Yeah, he used to cook his meals on the road, but then they always seem like garbage. Ye- years later, we found out that the meat came from the uh, monsters we killed along the way so yeah <laughs> gotta love them orc pellets <laughs> <laughs> am i right <laughs> uh this is this is really cool and i think it is pretty spot on um we it, players in their nature are selfish so the fact that i feel yep. like we feel like you need to be told to do this stuff is kind of sad, uh, sad. um but RJ's right. This you need to, if you have a useful skill, find a way to apply it to the team, um, at not just to mind your own pockets. Now, I've actually had a player uh, back in 4E who would write little receipts when she would enchant stuff, and then give it to the player. You owe me, and I ain't making you shit until you pay it back. And she would like give out actual little printed receipts to the players who she crafted stuff for. Um, and she oh, was, wow. she, she would give them the item and she said, but you owe me. So even if it wasn't by request, Hey, I made you this. Now you owe me. That's, that's like somebody dropping off a new TV to my house. So you better pay up, <laughs> but that's basically what she did. And, um, so that really goes, uh, good with this, this, this player tip. Here's an IMS invoice that takes into account the material cost, the, uh, prep time, the actual time for manufacturing, my uh, college education that's involved in doing all this crap. <laughs> Um, so yeah I really like this uh, Ian do you have any examples of uh, something like this that was used in one of your games I definitely know this quite a few times where there's a player when we were playing the uh, Dragon Age tabletop RPG not the video game the tabletop RPG and yes there is one where one player was playing a dwarf and he did the surgical dwarf thing and well forged items for the group like I need a sword here you go ding 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 <laughs> yeah, and that really that also saves with them from having to invest like in shops too. If you don't like to talk to shopkeepers, hey, that's a way around it, I guess. What about you, RJ? Welcome, strangers. Yeah, some of those guys can be weird. 
Creepy, yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I was in a second edition group, um, and I was playing like a, a sorcerer or something. And like I said, you know, one of the things I love is is crafting things. And um, so I was deliberately taking spells so that I could I could make these magic items for them and stuff like that. And uh, so it came time. Finally, I leveled up and I had enough experience and all the rest of it. And so uh, uh, they said, "Okay, it's downtime. What are you guys going to do between now and the next session?" There's a couple of weeks. And I said, "I want to." Um, make a make some keen short swords or keen weapons for all the group mm-hmm. uh you know in, in what they use and um everyone in the group is like why would you do that i'm like what do you mean why would i do that <laughs> but it costs you xp it's like yeah but it makes the party better <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah back in the second edition when gold equaled xp for some strange reason oh i didn't know yeah. that <laughs> and even the jams like you know, uh, that's going to put you seriously behind. I'm like, yeah, well, uh, no, because it means that the players will have more magic weapons. Yeah. Like, and if they protect I me, magic. I don't die. And if I don't die, yeah. I survive <laughs> and I level up. So It's called investment. Oh. Yes, we get the return on your investment. No, investments. When they, when they all disappear. <laughs> yeah, when they all disappear and say, wow, this, this, I didn't like this character is a new one. Now you've lost all your investment and you're shit out of luck. But... You know, <laughs> I, I really like that you want to put yourself, put your party uh, group effort ahead of the, the yourself. That's awesome. And isn't as common as I think you would think. Um, yeah. Well, that's the other thing is I see my players and like often like, uh, you know, the players will talk about other players like, oh, you didn't even do this. Blah, blah, blah. You know, you've got all that in, yes. in social stuff. Inner like, party a- conflict. Yeah. <laughs> if, yeah. There you go. If Ding. in your, you know, in your party, if, You'll you'll notice that the the people who always have this discussion made about them is usually the people who don't actually contribute back to their right, party. Right, right. Uh, you know that can be that can be a big thing. What is the, what is the term? The buck starts here. Or is, it, is that right? The buck stops here. Oh, that's that different <laughs> meaning then. Never mind. Uh, if you want people to invest in you, invest in them. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love I love I love all your tips today. So thank you. So that'll do it for our player tip of the podcast. Don't be a don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. <laughs> oh my god, you guys all suck. Uh, and you can avoid dickitude by finding a way to offer something back to the party. Find Dwarfcraft, direct from Ozamar. Um, <laughs> before we close out this uh, show today, we have one more gift to give away. Compliments. A third one? Yeah. You guys are so generous. Your listeners must really love you. Why didn't they come back? Uh, <laughs> Well, like I think all we like, bribe them. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure both of them just love us. Uh, <laughs> all two. <laughs> One of them's on the podcast right now. <laughs> it's been a long few days of travel, and the adventurers are tired of eating rations and sleeping on the ground. The road opens to a small town with an inviting tavern. The smells of grilling meat and ale fill their nostrils, and the sound of laughter and music float out the tavern's door. Unlucky for the adventurers, they've stumbled upon Dragon's Breath Tavern. What starts out as a pleasant evening of food, drink, and entertainment soon evolves into an adventure that takes the party into and under Dragon's Breath Tavern. The adventure includes roleplay, exploration, combat, and a dice game called Demon Dice. Damn, that's good. Ian, is the person who does that Australian? Yes. His yeah, name's Lee Pierce, and he is awesome. Been a long time listener. Long time he's long time patron supporter too. So Lee sounds awesome. Keep sounds the, awesome. he does sound awesome. Yep. Lee? Lee? Lee, Lee Pierce, yeah. Um, Lee Pierce. 
Good job, he did, Yeah, he did all three of them. Let me know. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ian, who's our winner today? Our winner today is Burgerman54481. Congratulations, Burgerman54481. You are this week's winner of Jeff Stevens' awesome adventure. If you Danny like for making me hungry. <laughs> no, I want to if you enjoy the adventure, please uh, make sure to rate his uh, product. Let him know. Tell him what you think of it. And if you don't know, uh, once again, I, I briefly talked about it in our patron pals. Um, we actually just started uh, live streaming our. We just started live streaming our monthly patron games, and you can find our live stream of. Um, Dragon's Breath Tavern at twitch.tv slash academy. So head on over there and watch that and tell us what you think. Um, Dragon's Breath's what I say to my wife has in the morning when we wake up. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) Before we close out here, uh, RJ, do you want to give yourself one more plug? Yeah, sure. I'm awesome. And uh, you can check out my stuff at uh, Game Master Stash on Facebook. So facebook.com slash Game Masters, the Game Master. Just Google Game Master Stash. You'll find it. It's got a picture of a D20. Uh, And also, you can check out my stuff at uh, rj.net. And soon, uh, I'll be on DriveThruRPG. But rj.net, A R J A D E dot N E T. Yeah, we'll have to have you on more. I really enjoy yeah, yeah, yeah. your lovely personality. Oh, thank you. And starting uh, starting 24 hours from now, I guess, when, when it's this time in America, as it is in Australia right now, uh, I will have uploaded the first basic map set uh, for people to grab and start using uh, online. And then there'll be a book that follows up that with some, with some actually pre-made dungeons that you can do. But that's all in the future. So check that out. And yeah, are you gonna? Uh, if you can actually share a link with that, and um, actually you have this uh, show notes. Once you upload it, open the show notes and add it. That way, when people listen to the episode when it airs, they'll have a, a yeah. live link. So. Sure thing. And if you're like me and listening to this in your car and can never find the show notes, uh, just head over to RJNet and there'll be a big link there as well. So, yeah. Um, yeah. He actually makes a great point about the the show notes. Um, to find the show notes, head on over to <laughs> Patreon.com/slash/CriticAcademy. Um, if they, you're a patron, well, no, everyone can see them. Okay, okay. Um, there, I basically can. There's one little section there. If you hit show notes, and they're all there. It used to be on the site, but it got really annoying putting them in two spots. So I just got rid yeah, of was, the other one. No, that's just I was trying to find the one from Jeff Stevens when he was on because I was trying to go back through some of the stuff he said, and uh, yes. I couldn't find it anywhere. I'm looking. <laughs> I'm looking for uh, uh, somebody who wants to be in charge of the uh, website stuff um, because I'm starting to. Send all that work out to somebody else because I'm not good at it. Because uh, <laughs> I'm not doing any work. I can't look at Ian there too. Like, so he's like, Ian, would you like to do some website stuff? <laughs> I know jack squat about web design. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, yeah. If you want to find our show notes, they're actually at patreon.com slash Academy. And there's a little show notes button. Now you know, RJ, for the second time. I will go, yeah. Because <laughs> I think I told you the last time you were on here. No, last time you told me that I could go to your website. And oh, yeah, was that was that. Like, you yeah. have a website. I can sign up for emails. I can be in the running to win these cool prizes and stuff. You can buy swag yeah. now, too. Oh. And I will buy swag. I'm going to buy that. See, I love your logo. I love the I'm wearing the swag. Yeah, actually, I was going to wear it today. Um, Scrub. 
but uh, it was fucking cold with the heat off. So I said, fuck it. I'm wearing a long sleeve shirt. And so I did. Not now I'm sweating enough. my balls off. Um, so um, you might want to see a doctor for that. Yeah, I know, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. So please join us on our next episode where we hear feedback from you, our heroes. We will have a special guest named Ryan Torres on. Now, if you don't know Ryan, that's because um, he's a teacher. And he actually Ooh, is a, the best. Yeah, actually, you're a teacher too, aren't you, RJ? Yeah, I'm a teacher. Uh, so uh, yeah, yeah. Ryan uh, <laughs> Torres is going to join us. He actually runs D&D for his children, for his students. Um, yeah, me too. Nice. <laughs> are you going to... Maybe I should just interview you instead, I guess. Yeah. Uh, anyway, no. <laughs> next week's episode of Crit Academy. <laughs> yeah, <I'm>... <laughs> um, he's going to be joining us. He actually has um, a class of special students. Um, and he uses this as a way of social interaction. So I'm really excited to interview yeah. him and, and learn how it, uh, how it affects the children and how it brings them together and what, what advantages come with uh, D&D as more than just a game. Um, so I'm, honestly, I'm really excited for this. Um, and I'm looking forward to That's having awesome, him on. Man. Yeah, actually, I'm not thinking about it. I do recall reading a few articles of uh, some therapists using mm-hmm. D&D with the autistic yes. children to yeah. improve their social skills. That's that's one of the ways I found this gentleman. So I'm super excited to have Ryan on. I hope that you guys will be excited to listen to the interview. Um, tell him that RJ from Australia thinks he's amazing and awesome. And yeah, good job. Yeah, we think you're awesome too, RJ. No, no, tell him. Ryan Torres, the teacher. Oh, okay. <laughs> If you have any feedback, unearthed tips and tricks, or topics you would love to discuss, please send them to us. You can email them to us at critacademy at gmail.com or find us on Twitter and Facebook at Crit Academy. We do answer back eventually. Hope you've enjoyed your experience here at Crit Academy. If you did, you can help others find the show by hopefully leaving a five star review on iTunes. Make sure you give us a like. And a share. <laughs> so every week we give away awesome gifts. So make sure you just subscribe to our show at CritAcademy.com so uh, we can help you on your future adventures as well as be entered to win those really cool prizes that we give away each and every week. Um, you also find the link to our fellowship members there. We have uh, an awesome uh, network of content creators called the Crit Nation. Um, you can f- go to CritNation.com or go to our website and find awesome podcasts such as Interparty Conflict, you know, with uh gabe and jeff where they you know answer your questions on their show each and every week and have just an amazing discussion um crit nation's awesome if you're not on crit nation on the on the facebook group that's go do it now because do it now yeah lots of good content uh (laughs) do it now game master stash was one of our more recent uh um members to join uh, you can also check out the podcast uh, D&D Character Lab. Uh, if you don't know these guys, these guys are hilarious. They Every week they create these very fleshed out characters and then pit them in a verbal combat. Like two high level bards going at it. It's pretty fantastic. Um, and you can just have a good time listening to their weird rating system. Which apparently I broke when they were on our show. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then also you'll find all our other members, uh, members there and check out all their content that they make as well. So uh i am your host justin i'm your co-host ian and i'm your guest rj thanks for listening keep your blade sharp and spells prepared heroes (laughs) 